Hey guys, welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast for the spiritual seekers and lurkers, the respectfully curious and the pursuers of their passion, hosted by Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, Tanya Ryan, and I get to interview one, the first male we've ever had on the show, and two, he is my mentor, and we're just discussing, I like to call him the wizard, the alchemist, the physicist like all of the things he's into all of the things but he is disguised as a high performance coach <laughs> and so what other words would you use to describe yourself Matt well I think definitely uh, a modern day mystic uh, a futurist mm-hmm. and yeah a bender of reality yes a big bender of mm. reality That's what Mm. I actually want to talk about today. And I'm going to, I love actually that I get to ask you all these questions because it's some questions that I've never asked you before. I've known Matt for probably a year and a half, at least now, but we just started working together in the fall. So I've definitely got to know you more since then. But what do you, what is bending reality? That is a very good question, Jen. (laughs) Bending reality for me, is like folding a piece of paper. Mm. It's, it's essentially, if you imagine the the movie Interstellar, and I use this example a lot, yeah. that you know where you've got uh, Romley, and they're at you know they're they're at the looking at the portal. Okay, I've seen this movie. Oh, you would, yeah. I encourage anyone to watch it just from that pure perspective of how time works. It's it's going to, you know give you a different concept of reality however of also what is possible so they the cooper and romley are at the entrance to this black hole this portal and the uh and he's saying so how do we get to where we want to go which is an entirely new solar system an entirely new universe Mm -hmm. so we bend so he pulls out a piece of paper and he says, we are here at point A and we want to go to point B, the fastest point between two, uh, two points, the fastest uh, path between two points is so he folds the paper and he puts the pin through A and B. Uh, so that essentially has, has been, you know, my, um, my mantra uh, unconsciously, yeah. like as an unconscious competence since very early on. So bending reality is not waiting for time in order to experience something. It's not waiting for conditions to be favourable in order to make change. It's not waiting for proof or validation or permission in order to go after what you want. Because when um, when we understand that time is irrelevant in your desires at the primary level, that right now you can bend reality by focusing precisely on what you prefer rather than what has been. And so when we bend reality, we are bending our concept of what is possible. We're bending the concept of time that we have to wait for a perceived outcome some point ahead of us or in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And on a timeline that we logically set I believe is what we do yes humans so often 
So I want to ask this question next, because I found this extremely frustrating, even when I would listen to your podcast like a year ago and, or maybe not a year ago, because I think you only started it in the summer, but I would be like, I don't understand. You keep saying time is irrelevant and I keep hearing this all over, but I truly did not understand what time is irrelevant meant. Mm-hmm. What does Do that you know? I understand it consciously what you mean, but I haven't worked through it fully subconsciously yet either because I come up for time blocks all of the time. (laughs) And so it's definitely something that I'm in practice of. However, I feel like I understand it at a much deeper level compared to in the beginning where I was like, yeah, no, no, time isn't irrelevant. I still have things to do at certain times and all of this. And we were talking last week in our mastermind your mastermind about you not wearing a watch. And I love it because I was similar. I used to love my fancy watches. I had many fancy watches and that was like my statement piece. And I don't pay attention to it. And I don't believe in Apple watches and I don't believe in Fitbits and all of these things that trap us into time, I feel like. Mm -hmm. However, how can you explain that? I love what you've said there. Yeah, it pretty much, it, it is a subconscious trap. And if we just remove any negative connotation around the word trap, it essentially is a construct. And what is a construct? A construct is something that binds and holds something together. Mm -hmm. So when you think about time is irrelevant, of course, in the world of matter, in the physical world, as humans, waking, going to sleep, going to work, serving clients, having a family, whatever it's got to be, time is relevant to the construct. Mm -hmm. However, in bending reality and in our deep knowingness as uh, as our own mystic, Mm -hmm. time is irrelevant because time, as as, as the the saying goes, waits for no man or woman. Mm -hmm. It doesn't wait because time is actually linked to patience. It's linked to speed. It's linked to destination. It's linked to light, all of these different things. And then when we start to think, well, time is irrelevant in the fulfillment of my desires. Mm-hmm. It is. Because if I am clear on what I want and that desire has a great uh, burning, like there's a, a, a very strong flame of desire, mm-hmm. then I can experience the fulfillment of that right now through my emotions and I can train my body to feel and experience the fulfillment of that right now. So where does time exist in the now? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it was like one of those powerful concepts that I would read about and try to understand, but until you experience it, I almost find it really difficult to fully understand it. So once I went through like doing hundred K in 30 days, it was like, Oh, I, I get this a whole lot more now because there wasn't a point at the beginning of that 30 days where I was like, Oh yeah, this is going to be a hundred thousand dollars that I will bring into my business this month. I wouldn't have believed that, but getting into the emotions with you and walking through all of the processes together that we did was, very fascinating how 
really it's just the feeling of it instead of worrying about the logics behind what you actually want to manifest yes. or your burning desire. I don't even know if that everybody will understand what a burning desire is because I would have argued with you and I did argue with you in the fall. I have a burning desire to pay off debt. I have a burning mm -hmm. desire, but mm -hmm. it was not, it wasn't burning enough. It was uncomfortable. It didn't feel good. I didn't like it, but I could not, I could not bring that into my life. How would you explain the difference there? Because when we want something really badly, because I wanted money really badly to pay off a lot of debts. And in working together, I'm pretty sure there was like, well, there was like $200,000 that came into my life in six weeks-ish, maybe six, maybe seven. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. That's an exceptional uh, question, um, case study, really. Let's think about time and emotion together. Okay. So you've just sp spoken about the burning desire. Well, let's call it the triangle. You know I love threes, okay, and the triangle. So we've got the burning desire sits in the middle. We've got, does, we've got uh, the time, emotion, and then we've got focus. So when we think about the burning desire of I want to pay off debt, you're paying your, your focus and attention or a energy as, as you know we call it, attention and energy, um, is directed to past events because debt is acquired from the past. And so past is a time construct that does not exist. It is a concept that we believe exists. And so when we think about memories, memories are at best, science has proven this, only 50% accurate. The rest is embellished. So the more we tell ourselves the story, the more we remind ourselves of the memory, inverted commas, air quotes, mm -hmm. the more we share it with other people, we are reaffirming the bombastic nature of memory. Yeah. Okay, so now when we're thinking about, you know, we've got time and emotion. I'm emotionally bound to time because I'm emotionally bound to debt. And on my burning desire, using what am I focusing on is the debt. So my burning desire is the past. Mm -hmm. so, so because it's the past, it has a, an unnatural flavor to it. You know, it's it's uh, so it, the unnatural flavor is actually that it's pulling you out of the present moment. I would call it the anchor, almost. Yeah. Own self. <clears throat> it was like I was trying to drag it along, and just be positive to not think about it. But it was really anchoring yes. me to my past so much so that I wasn't even. I wanted to believe in the future would be different, but. It, at the same time, just dragging my past forward with me in that. Time. Yeah, exactly. And the feelings. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's such a beautiful topic because we're not the only ones that experience it. Billions mm. of people experience it. Now, how many would actually, um, I won't say be awake enough, be alert or aware enough of the very question that you've just asked? Mm. Not, not many. Because the whole construct of society, which is, you know, crumbling, which is the old guard is changing and all those sort of things, as we can see, and, you're, you know, your healers and lightworkers and, 
and uh, spiritual people, listeners, will understand that. <clears throat> However, the other part of time that holds us, uh, of the time construct that holds us or binds us to limit, limited and finite is belief. Mm. So I will believe only what I have seen is possible or what I have seen is true or what I have evidence of already, which is the past, because everything you can see right now around you is the sum total of your previous thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so if, if our belief system is encoded to pay down debt and be good citizens and to do this and to do that and that we are trapped in this fear, survival, hope matrix, mm-hmm. then we are going to want to pursue outcomes that help us escape from that, that matrix or from, from that construct. So we're now wanting to escape from something that is a construct of our past instead of pursuing a feeling and a reality and an experience that is new. And so we're essentially on it. Yes. I think that was one of the things I struggled with the most too, is that I would have these like, oh, you know what? You see other people do really big, amazing things and it doesn't have to do with money, but that shouldn't be possible what they've grown or what they've done in a short amount of time. And I wanted to believe in those, which I definitely lacked for sure. But I also was not focused fully on that, on the possibility, because I would get dragged, drug, Mm. improper grammar right back into, oh, but here's what my actual bank accounts look like. (laughs) This isn't what this actually looks like. Instead of just Mm. focusing on the feeling of what I wanted to happen and just that whole Time is a really fascinating thing, period, exclamation mark, <laughs> and feelings. It sure is. Yeah, and feelings. When did you know you were going to do this kind of work? I've never got to ask you this question. Mm. Mm-hmm. I got a glimpse, like looking back now yeah. at this construct we call past and memory, um, I got, I had a conscious awareness and a glimpse of it in my early to late teens. Mm. In my late, probably around, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that, I was always interested in the supernatural and mysteries of the unknown and all those things, you know. So that evolved as my physicality evolved, you know, through, through puberty and adolescence and all those sort of things, and I became more and more interested in the psychic arts. And the psychic arts was almost like a, um, it was like a go, having to go through kindergarten and then year one to seven again really quickly, just as a reminder, yes. you know, just to, re, just to remind me. Yeah. And so in those moments, I thought, wow, uh, I, I wouldn't have labelled myself a mystic, but I definitely was, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I saw things and the way that I lent in and out of things. Um, things that caught caught my eye, things that um, you know caught my attention, and invited me deeper into things. Yeah. And so, did you go? I'm going to call it mainstream. 
after that for a little bit and then come back to being a mystic or how what was that process like yeah I sure did go mainstream I mean I was all about the body I was uh I was in health and well-being I trained as a physiologist I worked in in that field for 20 years and traveled and and you know did very well and built businesses and companies out of that and presented all over uh, over the place um but there was something that was missing it was this um it was this canvas that my true self was always wanting to push forward and present and bring to the surface. And every, you could say every seven years, there you go, every seven to eight years, I'd just be going, here's this, here's this thing. And I go, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And so part of that journey for me was to learn how to own my power mm-hmm. because I gave my power away to the construct of the industry. You know, you can't talk to surgeons and general practitioners and other people about intuition or about being able to see the body as a heat map yeah. and being able to determine what's going on in someone's body. That you, you, You're going to be thrown out. Yeah. So it, it did get to the point uh, around 2008, 2009, where I could feel the razor's edge. I thought this is coming to the pointy end of the pointy end of this. I've cycled in and out of of this industry and this profession Mm -hmm. for the best part of two decades, and I'm ready to go deeper. I don't know how it's going to look. Within a year, everything crashed. Everything crumbled. Everything. And I went, well, there you have it. Uh So... Let's, and he uh, says let that the with a smile on his face now, but at the time, were you smiling through that? Because we've all been through a spiritual smackdown or the crumbling, the fall of some sort. Oh yeah, look, it was stressful, and and I really got some um, some energetic uppercuts to learn where I was not paying attention and where my focus was and what the results of that focus was giving me. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, I'd say 12 to 18 months, best part of two years. Um, there, is this, there is this knack though. You know, my brother says, I don't know how many lives as a cat you have, but you are the most reboundy rubber person because <laughs> you bounce back so quickly, you know, and yeah. I do. I, I, I do not want to be down for too long. Yeah. So... But in that, that just created a cascade of new experiences over the next, you know, three to five years. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me to what I call my one moment, one message, one mission moment <laughs> at the end of 2012. Where were you when that happened? Well, I was uh, with my mentor. We had just um, spent four days back to back serving four or 500 entrepreneurs in a deep dive intensive and we were all coming together as crew after it and it was just he and I left and we just looked at each other and we both had tears in our eyes and it was huge release and in that moment where there was an exchange and time dilated there was huge inbound information like huge download of, of new information and from that moment I was not doing a one uh, level leap, like going in the Donkey Kong game from level one to level two to level three. This was a super leap. This was a quantum leap from maybe a 2.0 version 
to a 5 or 8.0 version. And so the next day, you know, my body, I could feel my body was changing, my language was changing, information that I thought I must have read this somewhere was now present and available. Other stuff says I cannot remember where I would have read that from or how I would have known that. And people were just saying, uh, how do you know this stuff? Like, who, who are you? Like, what's happened? Uh, it's quite, quite, quite interesting. Yeah. So I think that, it's amazing. That how did you trust to lean into that? Because I think some of us have had moments like that, but we've also went, mm, that's crazy. I'm not listening to that. Yes. Well, I have taught myself to observe change. And I knew at that moment that that was my farewell with my mentor. I knew that that was the last, the gift, the parting gift. It would not have arrived if I was to stay. Yeah. And it was my parting gift to say, now it's your turn. Yeah. So there was fear and there probably for the best part of maybe uh, 18 months, two years after that as well, I was exploring and rediscovering what it meant and felt like to express this information and to share it with others and to bring other people together and did they get it yes and no did I get it yes and no and so it was a confidence piece because I'd come from the world of the physical world of of physiology and the body and chemistry and all these sorts of things into a business world which was now focused primarily on the health on um entrepreneurs and business owners but really now I I took the express elevator down many levels deep and I had to look at that so you could speak to us essentially (laughs) I remember the first training that I ever saw of yours and you were doing it as part of one of the masterminds I was in you were a guest and I had to watch it four times because I didn't feel I understood I didn't feel you were speaking English sometimes but after the after watching it that many times then I started to understand it and I found that even at the beginning of listening to your podcast that there was some language that I was just like I don't know but it's interesting now to I even went back to an old podcast this morning actually one of your beginning ones and I was like oh, you can speak the language a little bit more now. You have a deeper understanding of all these things. (laughs) It is a different language. It's like learning Sanskrit. It's like learning, you know, anything else. It takes a little bit of time. However, what I'd love more people, and I should do a podcast on this, not should, I will, um, which is words are the least reliable form of communication when truth is present. Because when truth is present, you will hear the resonance of my voice or your voice or someone else's. Because you are present with the information, you are receiving many, 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 many more bits of information than you are perceiving through your five senses. And, and so I, I knew think- that because I <laughs> I kept listening to this damn podcast yes. that didn't fully make sense. <laughs> and I kept showing up for these trainings. But I, yes, I did definitely know on some level that I was taking more in that I could articulate back out. <laughs> yes, well said, well said. And and that's that's the key that, you know, when time is also, our five senses are bound to time because of watches, because of clocks on the wall and because of, you know, clocks in cars and everything else. We have to be here at a certain time and leave at a certain time. Or there's Everything is a time construct. So 
when you think, when you feel into truth, it is eternal. So when you are listening to something or feeling something or experiencing something, it is eternal, which means there is no other time because time doesn't exist. Yes. It means you are receiving a packet of truth and at the, at the level of consciousness, you can receive it. So as you raise and expand your level of consciousness and awareness of self, mm -hmm. then the same packet then unfolds like origami and you have more and more and more information presented to you that you can understand and internalize and embody yes. from the same packet. Oh, I like that, that analogy of it because I've been with clients before where I'm so tapped in and sometimes I'll be like, what the hell is coming out of your mouth? What, what are you saying? But I know that it's meant to come out. So I just let it keep going. Yes. But it is kind of that unfolding of just trusting what's coming. And then it always makes sense in the end. It always. Absolutely. Big aha Absolutely. On the other side. And, and this is a, a great point, Jan, going back to what we spoke about just before you push record. Yeah. That I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know it's all taken care of. I don't know what this information is that I'm receiving. I am in alignment and I am trusting and moving it forward to the participant or the recipient rather. Yeah. Because I know it's already taken care of. It's not for me. It's for them. Yes. Yeah. I actually want to touch on this. I was talking to a lady last week. She had a free co coaching call with me from one of my programs and I shared something with her that came through and it made her very uncomfortable. She was very, uh, I could tell, and I've had this happen before. She was defensive and thought I was um, saying something negative about her to a sense. And it was like, oh no, like, I'm just letting you know, this is the message for you to dive into for your own self. What do you think of that situation when that happens for you? Because I think everybody that listening to this has probably had a similar circumstance, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Do I just trust well, saying, the higher good, I suppose? That's what I yes. look at it. Yes. And it is also about the conviction because there is two levels of conviction. There's divine conviction and there is human ego. ego. <laughs> conviction yeah so when we make it about us we actually leak a little bit of the potency of the message mm. and but when we say with conviction divine conviction it's if you think about whether you believe in archangels or angels or whatever it is or not if you just have that um that picture in your mind of an archangel and their benevolence and you think, okay, they are evangelical, not connected to religion. Mm -hmm. They are staunch. And yeah. this is what is. And I'm sending you a message and I'm giving you a message. This is for you. This is for no other being. You and you alone receiving this message. Well, shit. You know, I attached my ego to that <laughs> because I was like, she's going to think that I'm trying to sell her on something. And that's not what this message is about at all here. Yes. Thank you for the awareness on that. So I knew it was the message and for her to hear, but I needed to stand in it. Like, 
this is your message. This has nothing to do with me. Period. That's right. Yeah. And, and that brings up just a little side note here, especially for, um, you know, if you call yourself or label yourself as a healer or light worker, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, we can get very drained. We can drain our energy when we work with a lot of clients, we're doing a lot of healing, you know, where health practitioners are the same because you are leaking energy. And because you are leaking energy, because your ego is involved, because you are saying, I need to be present for this person, and therefore I'm using my physiology as the instrument Mm -hmm. to pass the message to the other person or to affect change or to create a transformation, when in fact you are just that. You are conduit. You are an instrument where energy is received and moved through you limitlessly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come from you. And that's where a lot of people get burnout. Yeah. And that's secretly also why it's linked to value. I'll only charge this and I'll only charge that. And if I charge this, then I'm going to get judged or whatever it may be because I'm making it about me. Yes. Let's just talk about that for a minute. That is a great segue about people charging their worth. What are your Mm. thoughts about people charging their worth, Matt? Yeah. Well, it came up in the uh, mastermind, right? And I got everyone to post some of their fears or their questions around. I'll do a very specific module on that. Mm. So your worth is is, um, relative. What you believe you are worth and what someone else believes you are worth at times is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. It is offset and it is polarized. So if I don't have a great worth of self in other areas of my life and then I come into business or I come into exchanging services with money, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to carry that same value of self and worth into business with me. The, um, however, the belief around value is around perception. Mm-hmm. So if I am, um, you know, offering a, a way, a method for clients or people to experience the result that they want, mm-hmm. and I know I can deliver on that, then value is implied in the result, not in the service. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, but I've only been doing this for a small amount of time, Matt. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's where it might come in that from a human perspective that is actually bound to different levels or expressions of of ego may need to earn your stripes, not so you can prove yourself to the world, but so you can prove yourself to yourself. Mm -hmm. So you earn your first stripe. And maybe you start with $50, $100, $1,000, whatever it is the service is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you move up and then you move up. And so earning not so in the world, but so that you can validate your own growth and you can give direction to your own evolution in business or as a healer or in, in, in servicing. So... Um, yeah, does that sort of I think so? Cover, yeah, 
what about when people earn their stripe but then they don't change their prices Mm -hmm. well they haven't earned their stripe fully then Mm. because the fact that you've got your first stripe Mm -hmm. means that you're prepared to get your second I think a lot of people cling to that first stripe and they're like, this is the top. This is all the stripes I am going to earn in my life. This is where we are. I find that. And it it is personal. It is so personal because it is the concept of self that directs our reality. Mm -hmm. So for the person that understands and appreciates and embodies themselves as I am, a single point of attention and awareness in an eternal stream of consciousness. Mm. What, what is limitless to them? What is limited to them? Mm-hmm. But someone that is trapped in the body that is a materialist that says, I am of my five senses, I am of this world, I am of the things I make and do, and that is all, mm-hmm. that, is, that is going to be the, the, the product of that concept and belief is relative to that so some people are are placed onto their timeline onto this path into this incarnation as an example to learn Mm -hmm. different things and we're all here to learn things however some people feel that this life is purely an act of service so they assign act of service and this strong impulse to serve and to give Mm-hmm. openly to free mm-hmm. in business or low value or whatever yeah. or low low cost i should say but there's high value but here's here's the construct and this you know without sort of uh it, it's probably going to be like a a pygmy blow dart in the neck for a couple of listeners and i i'm yes. i don't need to try and be popular or anything else and i've said it <laughs> in close circles for many decades that the psychic the the um healer the light worker industry Mm -hmm. is a very bound construct they are bound to the concept of poverty or the concept of low low value or the concept of giving without receiving yes And so because I fail to receive, I don't know how to receive, I don't let life in, I don't let light in, I don't know how to cycle the natural principle of the universe, which is balance. Therefore, I maintain the garden and the concept of lack. Yeah. And that I can only do so much for so many people because I'm burnt out or because I need to pay the bills, or because so I end up being trapped in this very finite universe mm-hmm. unconsciously because I see my peers doing it and I see books saying it and I, I do courses that are reinforcing it. Mm-hmm. Last year, I heard a line <clears throat> that said, Money is the most spiritual practice you can have, receiving money. And at the time, it landed with me for sure, but I didn't fully understand it. But it truly is about being able to receive fully as much as you give out. And I would love your take on that because I've said that line to a few people and it's very uncomfortably received. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's let's say first stripe. First stripe is yeah. I am giving. Yep. Second stripe, I am receiving. Mm. Third stripe, I am giving and receiving at the same time. Yes. Just as an example. Simple. That is so in my giving, what have I what what why have I earned this first stripe? Mm-hmm. Cosmic stripe, universal stripe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've earned it because I moved my service, myself, my gifts, my unique abilities into the world after holding it back for so long, after mm-hmm. second guessing, self doubting, fearing, whatever it may be, rejection, judgment, ridicule, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I earned my first tribe because I now I've moved my, my gifts into the world and I'm now exchanging with that. So I am receiving validation through my giving. Mm-hmm. The next part is stripe two as the example. Now in my giving, can I fully receive based on new terms, a new contract, a new agreement where there is balance? Yeah. And the balance may be, well, I'm doing 20 clients a week at $100 each and that's cool, that pays the bills, but really I want more. It's your sovereign right to want more. It's your sovereign right also at Stripe 3 to recognize that more is, uh, the, the more you want, the greater your lack. So you understand that I am experiencing an exchange instantaneously mm-hmm. with the field because I want to experience more life and I want to experience more life in this way. And this is how I'd like to experience life through these feelings. And how I experience life through these feelings is how I encode my reality. And how I encode my reality is how it presents itself and returns to me because I am receiving of it. I'm no longer in judgment or rejection of it because I've passed through the gauntlet of tri- and trials. You know what I mean? Yep. Deep. That is a deep thinker one. <laughs> that will be one that sticks with people to continue their own process with. <laughs> throughout yes, please push pause and go back 20 seconds. Yes, I, I do that often, <laughs> like multiple times. What What was that line? Yeah. What did you say? What, what are you talking yeah. about now? I have to listen to it again and again. So do listen to this again, guys, if you feel like you haven't fully grasp the concept because you will get it more the second, third, fourth time. For what is the, this will be my last question for you. What is the most powerful lesson you have learned in your whole life? Just one lesson. Yeah, I should have gave you a heads up on that one maybe. (laughs) No, this is good. Very good. Because it's all available. Mm -hmm. We can be surprised that everything is available. So it's trust that allows it to come in. Yes. So one primary lesson is to own my power, to own my power so that I can help others to own theirs. For without my own, there is no other that I'm helping. Yeah. Truly. It it truly is the most powerful thing you can do no pun intended to own your passion Mm. it's funny because i made a post today about what a powerful woman looks like (laughs) very good (laughs) tomorrow (laughs) and they can be really yes it is very powerful though and 
how long do you think it took you to learn that lesson? I'm still learning it, Chen. Mm. Yes, true. I have See, if I, wanna, if I want to drop a stripe, and it's, I'm just using stripes as the example. I like stripes. Stripes are good. Yeah, too. stripes are good. Mm-hmm. I drop a stripe when I arrive at a belief that I know everything. That I've or, that I'm already accomplished. Yeah, I love it. Yes, we never know everything. We have access to everything, yes. but to know everything, we would not be in the body to know everything. We would explode. <laughs> we would explode. <laughs> we, we would turn. Handle it. <laughs> yes, we would turn into uh, dust, the dust of the most. Exactly. Okay, Matt, where do we find you? So I could probably list off all of your links, but you can say it better probably. What's your podcast? Uh, High Performance Consciousness is the podcast. Go and look me up there, Matthew Patty. Uh, you can matthewpatty.com and have a look around there. If, uh, if you're interested in watching the science of income doubling, then go to matthewpatty.com forward slash double. Um, on Facebook, we have Mind School. So the real Mind School is the URL. Yeah. And that's a free Facebook group. So yeah, find me Lots of if places. you're interested. Lots of places. He's on the gram too. Just a lot of our followers are on Instagram. He is on there too. But go to his website and poke around there too. Do you have mm-hmm. any other freebie? Do you have the tennis ball freebie up still? Yeah, the tennis ball's on the, on the homepage. Okay. So that is... One. A game, game changing, definitely, Jim. Did it that one definitely yeah. is. I still think of it every time I see a tennis random tennis ball. Like I saw a blue one today in my house. That was yeah, very <laughs> good, and I still get emails every week from people going, "You're never going to guess what I found my tennis ball." Yeah. <laughs> found another tennis ball. Okay, thank you so much, Matt, for being so open with us, for being the first male that's been on here, and for doing this with like hardly any notice. I was like, "Hey, can I interview tomorrow?" And will you, like, I'm not giving you anything. There was no questions. Thank you, everybody that's tuned in for us. I hope if you have any questions, reach out to one of us for sure. We would love, we love chatting about this kind of stuff. And we do. Have the most blessed day.